0: Hello, and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week, we read Parashah Va'era. It's the second week that we're w- walking with our forefather, Abraham. It's a good week also. And um, in the almost at the end of the parasha, it says, Abraham built an inn in Beersheba and called, called out there in the name of the Lord. What is the connection between establishing an inn and calling out the name of Hashem? And so our sages interpret this saying as, do not read he called out, but rather he caused others to call out. So at this inn, eh, which was in the middle of the desert, in what's Be'er Sheva today, Be'er Sheva. Abraham would have a tent and he would offer hospitality to strangers that were traveling through the desert and he would provide them with food and wine and lavish uh, food and at the end when they had finished eating he would come by and give them, um, give them a, a, a venture. Uh, in those days, to proclaim that God was the one that that had fed them and that the, to thank Hashem for the food that they had that Hashem had provided for them and so he says, "What is it, was, was it of mine you have eaten when they came to thank him? It is the God of the world of whose you have eaten. So the whole point of this inn that he had in the middle of the desert was to publicize the name of God and then we have to remember that in those days people were very idolatrous they believed in many gods and to come to recognize the one and true god was something that was very hard for people to to come and and grasp so so he says that if, however, the, the guests would not want to praise uh, God for the food that they had eaten and the hospitality that they had received, he would come to them, says the Midrash, with a very big uh, bill. And they had to. They would come to him and say, like, how can you charge us all this? And the, he would say, okay, but here you're in the desert, you're in the middle of nowhere, and you're being provided with so much goodness. So it's very expensive here. So he says, who else gives you wine in the middle of the desert? Who gives you meat in the desert and bread in the middle of the desert? And faced with the prospect of massive debt, the guest would uh, opt for Abraham's original offer of blessing the food and recognizing that Hashem was the one that had fed them. So there's certainly and clearly something here that we must understand. Abraham Abraham's method of disseminating monotheism seemed like a single word, like it looked like if he was really, extorting people it's like uh, putting a a gun in a person's head and either you do this or you know what's gonna be with you so we see here like really did he really achieve the purpose for which he built this in like was he able to really penetrate into the people's psyche and really come to that after they had an experience in the middle of the desert with Abraham serving them all these delicacies would people really have a change of mind so The Midrash says concerning this very conduct of the inn in Beersheba that God God told Abraham My name was not recognized by my creations. You caused my name to be recognized by my creations, and I thus consider it as if you had been partner with me in the world, world's creation. And Abraham's methods had very real effect and grandiosity uh, in a very big scale. It left a very big impression on the people in the middle of the desert. Imagine, imagine that you're in the middle of the desert, there's not even water there. You're thirsty, you're hungry, and suddenly you find these oasis in the middle and then they're serving you all these delicious food. So really to look up and say thank you God, like really why is it so hard for people to recognize where their kindness comes from, where the goodness comes from? And we only need to open our eyes and see where all the goodness in our lives really comes from. So, so we see that uh, if we were speaking of a Jew who is coerced to perform a mitzvah, Or refrain from a transgression we could cite the ruling of Maimonides stated in the laws of divorce and so if a man is obligated to divorce his wife but refuses to present her with a get with a divorce document the rabbinical court may physically compel him to consent and the divorce is valid like if a man doesn't want to give a divorce to his wife the court the base dean can really coerce this man to really give the divorce to the wife even if he doesn't want to the moment that he signs the document is valid is as he wanted to give her the divorce and Lubavitcher Rebbe he explains that deep deep inside this person wants to give the divorce to the wife because he wants to do what's right he wants to do what really is holy and 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 the right thing to do even though externally the yetzer hara is telling him not to give the divorce so there's a mystical basis basis to this ruling the godly soul of every jew the nefesh halokit ha- is driven by one desire and one desire only and that is to serve hashem like every jew in his most inner essence wants to serve God, wants to eat kosher, wants to keep Shabbat, wants to dress modestly, wants to give sedaka, wants to help someone else. This is the inner essence of a, of a Jew, like in our inner deepest part, this is who we are. And, um, and so it is this soul that comprises the underlying most basic will of the Jew. And at times, this will be suppressed by the animalistic soul, the Nefesh the Hamahabit. And this other part of ourselves, which is a duality that we have, is the opposite. He doesn't wanna do what God wants him to do. He wants to do what he wants to do. It's not about God. It's about me. It's about my comfort. It's about my pleasure. It's about me, 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 me. And the other part is about God. So we have this duality, <clears throat> and um, and we see that in light of this this uh, this uh, reality. We would be able to understand the spiritual mechanics behind Abraham methods if he would have been enforcing Torah uh, observance amongst Jews, but in those days, this was not Jewish people, there there was no Jewish people, there was only people that believed in one God, and um, and the rest were pagan people, people that believe in other gods. So this, however, was not the case of Abraham, and he was uh, he was not imposing the worship of God upon people that didn't have this makeup. So he was not dealing with a dichotomy of inner and outer wills this was not the case in those days if these people said that they did not wish to praise Hashem that is precisely what they meant if they didn't want to praise God it's because they really didn't want to uh, praise God it wasn't that in in their inner will they want they had a desire to praise God so we must say that Abraham truly motivated his guests to sincerely praise God so this is a even higher level of 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 commitment to God because it's not when you have the duality you have a part of you that helps you connect to that but when you don't have that duality and, and and your desire is only about yourself but suddenly you have a desire to praise God and you have a desire to connect to God that is very very commendable. so he was somehow winding them over to, to a sincere and renewed found believing God this is what he was doing in the middle of the desert with this inn in Beersheba was really nurturing the, the soul the neshama of, of, of the people that came by to really recognize that there was a God that really, like look, you're in the middle of nowhere and look where you're being fed. Who else is feeding you? So there's um there's a story in the Talmud concerning the Mishnaic sage Rabbi Elazar, who once while traveling, encountered a man who was extremely ugly, and said, Rabbi Elazar to this man, Oh empty one, how ugly are you? Are all the people in your in your in in your all the people in your, in your town as ugly as you, where, from where you come. And this man was like taken aback. Who tells you that you're ugly? Like who, where there's no decency? Like this is a sage and he's telling him how ugly he is? So he replied, go to the craftsman who created me and tell him ask him why did you make such an ugly vessel and so uh, we asked did rabbi elazar not know before the man's answer that the body of a man is a work of god and so further how is it possible for a man of rabbi elazar's stature such a sage to have been uh, able to say something so not nasty to another person like the torah forbids us to do this like we're not we're not allowed to make someone else be humiliated or feel bad about themselves this is not the torah way so we can explain this in in this light the rebel lubavitch uh, teaches us this that the man indeed was very ugly and that however was not the concern of rabbi elazar rabbi elazar saw that the man in spiritual terms was ugly like not not only the 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 outside of the person but the inside of the person was ugly and he was devoid of any merits he had no merits whatsoever he didn't do anything kind anything good anything that would make his soul shine so the man lacked even the sensitivity to recognize how serious his situation was and due to his coarseness he would not be able to appreciate any moral guidance or advice that Rabbi Elazar would suggest. So the sage just intended to break through this coarseness with an attack to the man's ego. That's why he said it because he wanted to, like, wake him up from this ugliness. He 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 looked at this man and says, like, he still has a chance. Let him get sensitive to God. So, to, to, but, and so it was, surprised and hurt, the man searched his heart and promptly arrived at the answer, at an answer, the only true answer, go to the craftsman who made me and tell him, why did he make such an ugly vessel? You made it, uh, such an ugly person. And that, that mo- he, moment, this man was reminded who created him, and he, re- he remembered that the craftsman had created him with a purpose. And, uh, and, 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 and and he gave him a purpose and meaning in life, like he had something to give in this world. So the man had become poignantly aware of an idea that just moments before he would not have been able to hear, like that he's, he has a purpose in this world, and so in his moment of humiliation, he regained sensitivity that lifted him from his former ugliness and caused him to instantly intensify his relationship with God. So after their encounter, Rabbi Elazar asked the man for forgiveness. He went to him and said, "Look, I'm so sorry. I said this nasty thing to you." I, and, and the man answered Rabbi Elazar, "I will forgive you." if only you will not become accustomed to speaking this way like don't ever say this to any other person so the majority of people and even those who are ugly in their deeds and characters because what he meant was not the physical he was meaning as a person as a human being this person lacked beauty in his deeds and in his character he says that do not need to be scorned in order to arrive at a spiritual breakthrough. The man did not stipulate, however, that Rabbi Elazar should never again speak this way. For, as a story conveys, there are times for certain people, in rare cases, when a spiritual ascent comes about only through the initial breakdown of callousness that is brought about at a moment of despair. So yes, the intention of Rabbi Elazar was to wake up this person about how he was in his relationship with God. So there's another story of the Rebbe Rashab who was the fifth uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe and in the early years of his leadership, a Jew came to him asking for a blessing and when he, he said to him, look, I'm sorry, I can't do anything for you. I cannot give you a blessing. And it says that the man left the, the office of the Rebbe and he started to, to cry bitterly. He was really very uh, taken aback and he started crying bitterly. And the oldest brother of the Rebbe Rashab, Salman Aaron, he came to the Rebbe and he says, how can it be? I've never seen you turn someone away. Like how can you not give a blessing to this person? Like he was a Rebbe. And he, he said to the, to the brother the, the the rebbe put on put on his gartel he the brother said like this man is crying his heart out like he's devastated uh, for you saying that you cannot give him a blessing and in at that moment the rebbe put on his gartel the gartel is like a like a like a um, a belt but it's made out of fabric that the Rebes wrap around their waist when they're going to give a blessing or when they're going to pray to separate the animalistic to, from the, the the animalistic from the holy part of himself and he said that he should bring the man back in and when the man returned to the rebbe the rebbe blessed him and 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 the blessing was fulfilled so why did he re- refuse this blessing at, in the first moment? Why didn't he bless this man? Why did he have to make him go out and cry uh, his heart out? And the answer is, is that sometimes, sometimes people are devoid of beauty inside. And no matter what blessing you're gonna give them, they're not gonna be able to bring it down. Because blessings are are suspended over us, they're always there, but we have to become a vessel, a keili, in order to be able to receive the blessings. So what the Rebbe did is is is, 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 is similar to what Rabbi Elazar did before with the ugly man, is that he he broke the heart of this man he bre- broke in the callousness and the egocentric part of this man and he humbled him to the point that the man was able to receive the blessing so as in hasidic terminology we say that um, that uh, that not a vessel for such a mighty effusion of divine help the Rebbe does told the man truthfully that he would not be able to help him if he he couldn't help him because he, th- he had nowhere to put that blessing in. So this rejection, however, caused the man to become so anguished over his plight that he could do nothing but cry. And when the Rebbe saw that he had a broken heart, at that moment, he, re- he was able to receive the blessing. Because when a person is so full of ego, everything's gonna bounce back. He, he won't be able to receive a blessing. So the, the method that Abraham used was similar. This idea, expressed in both stories, is a moment of distress that prompts a true and drastic breakthrough in spiritual development. The ugly man was no receptive to hear about living a life of purpose until Rabbi Elazar told him he was ugly. And the man who came to seek for the blessing from the Rebbe Rashab was also unable to receive a, a, a blessing from a godly person because Something had to change. something had to change inside for them to be able to receive this blessing. So to Abraham understood this concept and did not present obstinate did not present obstinate guests with a bill to blackmail them into praising God. This was not the idea. He was not blackmailing them he was not exhorting them this was not the idea the point was rather to create a situation in which the guests would become sharply aware of their helplessness that they were in a place where really if he wouldn't have fed them they would have died of hunger and obviously whatever he's charging them they have no amount of money to pay for this type of food in such a place and what happened was that Abraham was able to break through the coarseness that prevented them from understanding the validity of Abraham's request on his own and we now may also understand the precise wording of the Midrash in saying when we when where you are from as ugly as you no sorry when they would see how he was distressing them they would say blessed is the god of the world of whose we have eaten it was not coercion it was not extortion it was not blackmail it was a, the circumstance of distress they jarred them from their callousness and propelled them to, to a new level of spirituality The level to which every non-Jew may aspire is that of a righteous Gentile who observes the seven Noahide laws. This is what the whole world should be keeping. The Jewish people, we have 613 mitzvot. And uh, this is the way in which we come to really connect to Hashem and to really be humble people, and to be able to have a vessel in which the blessings of God will be able to enter us. So Abraham, would does engage his guests with proofs and reasoning, ultimately persuading them to become true believers of God. And this is how he changed the world. Really, he was the first person that brought monotheism to the world, the first person in, in, in 2,000 years that was able to go deep into the people's hearts. And, uh, and at the end, people would exclaim, blessed is the God of the world of whose we have eaten. And this is the whole purpose of life, is to really recognize God in our lives, is to see, look up and says, everything is from Hashem. Everything, the good, the bad, the comfortable, the uncomfortable, the scary, the not scary, everything comes from God. And the sooner we recognize this truth, the better we're gonna be off. So I wanna wish you a blessed week. Should be a a week of of a lot of gratitude, of a lot of reasons to praise God and thank him. And uh, remember, live a little higher. Thank you.